You are about to listen to a message from David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's desire is to see people lit on fire by God's love, His Word, and His presence. So prepare yourself to be inspired by the wind and the Word, and get fired up about what God's doing today. When I first gave my life to Jesus and got radically saved, I went from lawlessness to legalism. Okay, I went from being lawless to being legalistic. All right? Everybody say lawless. lawless. Legalistic. legalistic. Okay. It's a big struggle in the church, and it can be a big struggle for uh, most Christians when they first come to the Lord if they're not raised in a healthy environment and nurtured with the love of the Father. All right? Legalism is just defined as excessive adherence to a law, to a law or formula. That's why we often say there's not a formula. It's all patterns. Father, son, building a house, building a garden, trees, um, spiritual parents. Everything that you see in the, in the kingdom is patterns, not formulas. And if you're not careful, you'll try to adhere to the five steps or the formulas of how you're going to get somewhere and do something. Don't fall prey to that. It doesn't mean that some formulas aren't good, especially in the context of business. And even some self-help components, like physically taking care of yourself. It's a known fact. If you eat well and exercise and get good sleep, which can be, in a sense, a formula, you, you know, we, most of us should be getting seven to eight hours of sleep. I've been running lately on six because of a variety of things at home. I try to get some extra rest when I can. But eating right, exercise, there's a variety of things that you can do, okay? There's power in positive thinking thinking right, confessing the word, all of those things. But if you're not careful, you'll make them a formula. And in turn, you can become legalistic because you have an excessive adherence to that law or formula. And then what happens is you become dependent on it rather than on faith. So what happens with legalism is I now become dependent on the guidelines of what I'm supposed to be doing rather than faith in Christ. And that's what happened to me and to many of you when you first got born again is now you had this excessive adherence into right and wrong. And you developed a relationship with the good, which came from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, not from the tree of life, all right? So God doesn't want you to be legalistic. It leads to pride. It leads to uh, self-righteousness, and it makes you a religious Pharisee and Sadducee. <clears throat> Lawlessness is the exact opposite. It means you're not going to be governed at all or obedient to any laws. It means that there's civil disorder... <laughs> There's a lack of civil order, there's civil disorder in your life, and another synonym for lawlessness is anarchy. Anarchy means you're in a state of disorder due to the absence of authority in your life. So the other extreme is, is if you came out of a real religious background where you were manipulated and controlled in religious systems, you can come into an environment in this or leave that place and say, I'm never going to be pastored again or submit to a pastor or a, a spiritual government authority again. And you have to have spiritual government because God defined it in the Bible. The problem is a lot of it's been broken, but it doesn't mean it's all broken. And you don't throw in the towel or give up. You understand that God's raising up a new breed of people. And even more than that, you put your hope in the lordship of Jesus Christ so that even if I do fail and make a mistake, he was your everything. And that's why I try to be real honest and transparent about my life. And I say a lot of things that most pastors might not say. But I say it because I want you to understand that we are in this together. God marked me because he knows he can trust me and I love you. And I was faithful with a lot of little things to get here. 
And at the end of the day, I really wasn't deserving of any of it, but I loved him so much, and I loved his people so much that he said, I'm going to expand your capacity for more. And so uh, there's no such thing as spiritual anarchy. You can't say, I have no need of the body or the church. Whenever anybody says to me, I don't need the church, I am the church, I'm, my church is in a boat fishing every Sunday morning, they're missing a key component of what relationship is for because God measures us in the context of relationships. You can't say I have no need of another person and hence the body has a purpose and the body can only become a body when it has all functioning and working parts together. Ideology means that you have a system of ideas and ideals that forms your basic thinking, whether individually or corporately, and it can lead to what I call visionary, spe <coughs> excuse me, visionary speculation, especially in an unrealistic and idealistic way. So I have a responsibility as a shepherd and as a pastor to help shape and form your spiritual ideals so that it doesn't become unhealthy and unrealistic and that you don't just speculate. I don't need a bunch of idealists. And if you are ideal, your, your pattern of thinking is conformed to Christ, not conformed to man, which means yourself. That's why we have the Bible, and that's why you should be full of the Holy Spirit and hearing his voice speak to you consistently. And when you don't, you wait and you listen and you pursue it. Because like I said before, nobody's ever said to me, man, God's been speaking to me all the time. Man, I'm just getting downloads from the Lord, and I'm so depressed. Think about it. To speculate means you've, you've conjured up a theory in your mind without any evidence. Oh, man, I get a lot of spiritual speculation with people that have never been to a church or have heard about Rock City. There's a lot of people spiritually speculating about our church before they've even come here. And then people come in, and I'm under the microscope, that long-haired pastor, and that worship was this, and that person that was dancing, and why did this happen? And that drug addict that came in smelling like alcohol, man, this church is full of drug addicts and crazy and a bunch of jacked up people. And I go, yeah, it is. <laughs> Why? Because we're called to reach the lost. The church should be more like, a, more like a hospital than a palace, okay? And this is a place where we can get spiritually healed, all right? So, so your prayer is, Lord, show me who you are and show me who I am, all right? That's your prayer. Make that a consistent prayer for your life. Make that your goal more than what you're supposed to do. Because when you know him and you get confident in who you are, it's out of confident identity that you do what you're called to do with authority and boldness in life. And you have a rooted foundation of love. And so when I, when I got born again, I was so on fire, I jumped right into five different ministries. I was working for a Christian magazine doing public relations. I was on the worship team right away after I got born again. Worship team at my church. I was uh, doing advanced street evangelism, and I was part of a campus college ministry leading people. I was so zealous for the Lord, but I was also really religious. If I ever heard of a Christian drinking, or if I ever saw you in any way hanging out with a guy or a girl without solid, healthy boundaries, and I was constantly judging people. I would think that they would be carnal Christians, and I was just a mean religious person, and you wouldn't have liked me, but I didn't know any better. Because when I first got born again, the church world that I was involved in was very legalistic. And what I was learning about the Lord was a system of policies and procedures designed to help me stay clean. Because the written word makes you clean. Let me show that to you. The written word makes you clean. John chapter 15, verse... And let's go ahead and go to verse 3 real quick. Jump to verse 3, John 15, 3. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. 
This word for word is the word logos. It's what God has said. It's the written word. It's different than the rhema, which is his spoken word. And I'm going to show that to you in just a moment. But what happens is, is if you, first of all, you have to understand that the written word makes you clean. It washes you. It cleanses you because you know what God has said about you. You read the love letter. And now you, you read his promises. You read his truths. You've learned about him and who he is on the written page and the written word. And what it does is it makes you clean. But the problem is, if you just stay here, you'll become a religious Pharisee and a Sadducee. If you don't get breath inside of you and the spirit inside of you and you're not hearing God's voice, then suddenly you'll become a religious zealot that nobody wants to be around. Always quoting scripture, always judging, always trying to put shackles of bondage and parameters around people's life instead of loving really well and speaking the word of the Lord into their lives because you've heard it for yourself. You can know the word front and back and read the Bible 10 times over and know everything it says and practice everything in that word and be dry and dead as a doornail if you do not have the Holy Spirit and the breath of God dwelling inside of you. Okay? I'm going to show it to you. Jump down to verse 7. Verse 7 says if, uh, <clears throat> says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. This word for word is the word rhema. And what this means, it's God's, God's right now spoken word. But you won't know what God is saying. You won't know what God has said. If you don't get clean and get the breath inside of you, you, you go to one extreme. So you can have people, word, word, word. Pastor, i got to have word, word, word. I need the Greek. I need the Hebrew. I need lots of scriptures. Word, 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 word. Word of faith. Word, word, word. i got to have more word, word, word. And we can go to the extreme and in turn become dead as a doornail. Or we can be so rhema-driven, which a lot of charismatic churches are because they're so revelatory, that it's revelation, revelation. i got to have more revelation, revelation, power, signs, wonders, miracles, all those things. God wants you to have both, but you will not, not know what God is saying if you don't know what God has said. And if you want God's words to abide in you, then what you first got to do is get clean by the written words so that you have a foundation so that when God speaks, you go, yes, that's the Holy Spirit. So God doesn't want you to be a religious Pharisee, nor does he want you to be a, 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 a cloud tossed by the wind to and fro where all you are is overly revelatory with no foundation. You have to have both. You have to have the river bed and the river. You have to have ground training and you have to have flight training. Okay? Now what God wants you to do is bear fruit. Go back to verse 4. The Lord longs and desires for you to bear fruit. But the key is abiding. If you want to, to, to bear fruit in your life, you have to abide. Look how many times abide is used in this scripture. Four times. Four times the Lord is reminding you that abiding, it's a dwelling place. So if you really want to bear fruit in your life, you can't do it if you're not abiding in the Lord. He wants you to abide. Because you can't bear any fruit unless you're abiding. He's the vine, you're the branches. Apart from him, the scripture goes on to say that you can do nothing. Now jump down to verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So discipleship and bearing fruit is what glorifies the Father. Not how much ministry do you do, how anointed you are, how much gifts you have, how much you went to church. Oh, congratulations. We went to church today. 
The Lord wants much more than that, and to glorify him and to truly be his disciples on this earth, we learn to love well because the, fruit, one of the, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. Number one, love. And in this church, we, we, we're cycling in a lot of brand new converts and a lot of brand new baby Christians and a lot of people that are just coming back to church for the first time. There's a lot of people here that haven't been to church in a very long time and walked here and said, I like going there. Or have been going to church and just feeling dissatisfied and then came here and said, there's something about that church that I really like. It's the presence of God. You like my style, hopefully. But more than that, you love the people and the atmosphere and you feel loved when you come here. So you keep coming. I mean, what's gotten into some of your churchgoers now? <laughs> but you recognize and realize it's not a legalistic thing. You're understanding that God has you in the process of growing and bearing more fruit and has us in the, in the, in the body together to do that. I love this verse 16. I like this verse a lot because this verse shows three stages of a pattern, not a formula. And the pattern is, is understanding that one, he made the choice for you first. So what he does is he calls you. And I can show you that. I'm not going to go through the whole calling thing today. But he calls you, but you have to say yes. And when he calls you, he appoints you. Now, this word for appointed is the exact word in the Greek for ordination. So when you get born again and you answer the call, you get ordained. So if you think you have to keep going through a school and getting a piece of paper, the Lord appoints you and ordains you right off the bat. You just have to grow in maturity and grow in your fruit. Now, some ministries require you to do things only when you're ordained. And in some states, you can only marry people if you're licensed or ordained. Okay? But what I want to tell you is, is don't get sidetracked by the work of the ministry and you got to get ordained. You already have an anointing from God when you give your life to Jesus. You just have to become mature and bear good fruit in your life. And some of you have, you know, you're a little tiny bud and you're, or you're, you know, you don't just stare at a fruit tree and say, hurry up and grow. What's taking you so long? Or you don't prematurely pick an unripe piece of fruit, nor do you let a piece of fruit fall to the ground and perish. That's what it means to not have a vision for your life and not have restraint. So when it says without a vision, the people perish. Another way to say it is without a vision, people become an, uh, a piece of fruit that's fallen to the ground and is rotting away. So the Lord wants you to bear fruit. This whole chapter is about bearing fruit. And what happens is, is when he appoints you and you get put into office, he wants you then to go and bear fruit, but that the fruit would remain so that when you ask of something, you'll have it because you're praying from a position of fruitfulness. What you're doing and what you're saying and what you're asking for now is not your desire, but it's his desire. So now my desires have become his desires, and because I abide with him and because I was appointed by him, now I don't just bear fruit for a short season, but I'm a constant recycling. Uh, I'm a constant cyclical pattern of replenishing fruit. And so when I give, I got to keep getting more from him. He's my source. Okay? So you have to constantly stay in a fruitful place in your life. And that's what this is about so that when you pray, you'll have what you have. Why? Because now I'm not praying according to my will. I'm praying according to his. Okay? What happens is, is after you give your life to Christ, you receive a lot of freedom. And what can happen, there's extremes. There's legalistic extremes and there's sloppy grace extremes where, you know, grace is not taking people to the cross because God's forgiven you, you're free, it's all done, it's all finished, it's all, you know, and you can go so far into that that you, you actually don't teach and preach on sin and you don't take people to the cross and there's no death, burial, and resurrection. 
listen to me. There's got to be a death, burial, and resurrection in your life. There's got to be a death, burial, and resurrection. And I will tell you, even that becomes a cyclical pattern in my life where God's constantly crucifying the old me and the desires of the flesh, burying it, and then resurrecting me again. I was, but I still am. So to be a new creation means he made me a new creation. I was, I am, and I will be. Being saved and being made new is a constant ongoing process all the days of my life. Right? And so... 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. True freedom is found in Him and where He is, and he's, he's inside of you. He dwells inside of you. Stop always looking for an external thing or the next word or the next conference or the next. I like the prophets and the conferences. I like those things because they encourage me and strengthen me, but I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, and greater is He that's in you than He's a, that's in the world. But you must be born again, and when you're born again, suddenly there's liberty living inside of you, but you can make the choice to go back if you wanted to. You can choose to go back. Let me show you Galatians 5.13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use the liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So just because there's grace and forgiveness, you don't use that as the opportunity to sin, but you use it as an opportunity to love and serve one another. Because if I'm loving and serving others, what happens? When I'm loving and serving others, I'm actually becoming a bondservant and a slave to serving and loving your life. That's what it means. To serve means I actually go back into bondage, but it's not bondage like you think. Paul said, I'm a bondservant first to the Lord. I'm a prisoner. If you, if you just do a research of the word prisoner in the New Testament, many of the apostles called themselves prisoners, and now I become a bondservant first to him and then to you to love you the way that Christ has loved me. So hence, I'm not going to take advantage of you. I'm not going to lie to you and steal for you or treat you for the sake of of, of my own good, but I'm doing it for you. That's why verse 14 says, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I love this because this is a very important scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't have a love for yourself and know how much God loves you, how will you love somebody else? And many of you don't love yourself. Now, hear me clearly. I'm not talking about the self-righteous, selfish, old you. I'm talking about believing in yourself because God wants you to believe in yourself, not your own life apart from him. It's believing in who God is in me and the greatness of what I believe he's made me to be and become. I believe in me. He wanted to make David's name great, and he makes people's name great according to his choosing. But I'm not on a mission to make my name great. But what I am doing is, is because I do love myself, and this is the first rule in marriage, read Galatians 5, nobody ever mistreated their own body but rather they treat their spouse or their wife the way that they treat themselves. So if I hate myself, in turn, I'll be mean to others. Listen, hurting people hurt people. And when you're hurting, you hurt other people. So you've got to understand that in order to really fulfill the golden rule, develop a love for yourself. And you can only do that in Christ because me without Christ is a mess, but me with Christ is a work in progress. And I know I'm not perfect and I know I make mistakes, but you know what? I can't keep living under this pressure of, I'm, of expectation that I'm not living up to. And some of you are doing that constantly for yourself. 
and you're mad at yourself, and you're angry at yourself, and you're going to bed mad at yourself, take the forgiveness of the Lord, know that he cares for you, know that he loves you, walk in tenderness and compassion. It's okay to have godly sorrow because it leads you to repentance. It's okay to feel the weight of the sin, okay? Don't just sin like the devil and just go, oh, it's no big deal. God forgave me. You're not really repenting. You feel the weight of a mistake. I make mis- and I feel so bad. Something happened recently. I said something I shouldn't have said, and I felt so terrible about it. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I just felt so bad. I couldn't sleep anymore. Amber got up and said, listen, I'm really sorry for what I said. It happens. But because I'm a man that's bridled by the Holy Spirit, and because I know he really loves me and how much he cares for me and the tenderness he has for me, I can now can give that and show that to others. This, how can you love someone if you don't have a love for yourself the way that God loves you? And then what you do is you serve one another. The law is completely fulfilled this way. Okay? Now, I'm not going to finish this message, but I'm going to leave you with this. Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17, the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, and they're contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And I thought about that scripture. Let me show you a neat little thing here that, was, that the Lord highlighted to me that I've never seen before. Okay? This verse 17. Now, there's a variety of ways to read this. They're contrary to one another so that I don't do the things that I wish. This can mean that I sin because my flesh has taken domination and I'm doing the things that I don't want to do. But it can also mean I'm bridled by the Holy Spirit and I'm not now led by my own lusts and my own desires, but suddenly I want what he wants. And so the things that I wished in the natural, see, you become a slave to one or the other. And that's why it's saying, if you learn to walk in the Spirit and observe closely and abide, you then won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's walking and living in the Spirit. I'm not, this isn't so super spirit, all Holy Spirit, no Jesus. You got to be born again. You got to give your life to Christ. He becomes your everything. Lordship is the key. Jesus is Lord. But now you begin to follow after him. You become a disciple. And so if you're doing things you don't want to do, Ask yourself, is this of the Lord or not of the Lord? And if it's not of the Lord, start learning to walk in the Spirit and get back to John 15. Abide, 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 abide. I don't know how to say it anymore. That's why when people come to me and say, man, I've just, I don't know what's happened to me. I just started doing this, this, this. I said, all right, are you spending time with the Lord? Well, no, not really. I've just been so busy. I can pretty much tell you, I can attribute not abiding to flesh. And I'm telling you the word flesh is human nature carnality. So if I'm going to put anything on you, I'm going to make you a bondservant to abiding and a prisoner of Christ and to getting in because every one of us has to get our own unique personal relationship with Christ. You can't ride on my coattails. You can't ride on your spouse's coattails. You can't ride on the church's coattails. You're all called to abide and walk in the Spirit and to learn who He is, and that's your answer to overcoming the flesh. Now, Galatians 5, maybe I'll finish this next week if the Lord lets me. Uh, even though it's Father's Day, but if you go on to read Galatians 5, it shows you what all the works of the flesh are. It shows you what the works of the flesh are. And I'm going to just point out the top two, actually, because I think this is important, especially with what's happened, happened at Stanford. 
Go to, go to um, verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident. Now, this isn't the best news, but you've got to recognize what the works of the flesh are. It's actually a pattern here, which are, first, adultery. Your heart gets pulled away for another lover, whatever it is. It doesn't even just have to be sexual. Anything your heart gets pulled away that distracts you from the Lord and becomes more important than the Lord is, idol- is Id- adultery and idolatry. Fornication is number two. It causes fornication. You know what the word for fornication is in the Greek? It's the exact word, porneo. Pornography. And it means that you give yourself to other fleshly, lustly patterns. And the actual word pornea means adultery and incest. It means to indulge in unlawful lust. So actually, pornography is incest. And adultery. It's ugly. I know it's ugly. But listen, when that young man, and there were others, but when that young man did what he did to that girl at Stanford, he said something that jumped out to me. He said, now he put the blame on the culture. Everybody has to take responsibility for themselves. But finally I heard somebody say, this is the culture that I was in. And I'm telling you that the world And many, if not most, secular universities are filled with party, drugs, sex. That's everything I ever saw. And you pick the top 10 colleges in this nation. If you do not know Jesus Christ, this is the culture. And it it becomes a personal culture for you. So the fleshly culture is carnal human nature. I'm led astray. And so the understanding of, of adultery is first my heart gets pulled away and then I engage in spiritual pornography, natural and spiritual pornography. And then the cycle just spins out of control. Unclean, uncleanliness means I become impure. Lewdless, lewdness means I become filthy, wanting more. It never becomes enough. And then, and then this word for idolatry actually means image worship. So now I start worshiping images, pictures in my mind, and it just spins you out of control. Hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath. The word jealousy here in the works of the flesh actually means to be zealous, just like you would be for the things of the Lord or a husband. But now I become passionate for the things of this world, and I can't turn back. And then it finally concludes after drunkenness and and dissent and envy and murder, all these things. It ends with revelry, and the word revelry in in the Greek means carousel. So it starts first when I got pulled away, and it ends with this, what looks to be like fun thing that's spinning around, and I'm in a cycle of dysfunction. Now, I want to help get you out of that. And I help get you, out, get you out of that by teaching you to walk in the Spirit, which is the fruit of the Spirit, which is all the things that the Holy Spirit represents. God wants to break you out of that dysfunction, and he wants you to start walking in the fruit of the Spirit, which is verse 22. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God wants us to have self-control and to be gentle and kind. This is the attitude that we must always have towards everyone that we come in contact with. But you can't do it if you don't become it first. He wants you to become it so that you can give it and know it for yourself. And that's what we're called to spread. That's why I said, God, I want to see fruit in Corpus Christi. I was driving down the cross town. I said, God, I want to see fruit in Corpus Christi. And the Lord said, Tag, you're it. Well, wait a minute, Lord. I'm looking for this. He goes, no, no, no. You're my fruit in this city. You are the fruit of the city. So when you start walking in God's fruit, you bring life and abundance everywhere you come. And I'll leave you with this, verse 24. I love this. 
Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The flesh is crucified. You give your life to Jesus. You say, well, wait a minute. I gave my life to Jesus, but I'm still struggling with the flesh. And I've still, I know many Christians that struggle with lust and pornography, and they're trying to overcome these things. Many people confess that to me. I'm telling you, it's a rampant addiction and problem with men in our society. Not just men even anymore, but women too, okay? And so <clears throat> I have a lot of grace and a lot of love and a lot of compassion. I teach them about abiding. I teach them about hearing the voice of the Lord. I bring forgiveness to their life. I ask them about the desires of their heart. I take them to the cross so that we can crucify those things. We, we deal with deeper-rooted issues if time permits, but more than anything, I teach them that they have to crucify that. And that comes from bearing your cross every day, every day. And so when people get born again, you get born again in your spirit, but it's your soul realm that can be clogged up with a bunch of junk. That's why you have what's called the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit regenerates you in your soul realm. That's why you got to be patient with people. So when I got born again and I was smoking doobies for a year, thank God I didn't have some weird religious people that were trying to make me conform. Instead, they loved me and the Holy Spirit loved me and saw me through it to where the desire was taken away and I didn't want to do it anymore. I don't want to look at porn. I don't want to look at images. I don't want to have adultery in my life. And that's why I've said worship is sex to God. I know it may sound strange to you, but get past it. He says if you worship anyone else, it's adultery. He wants intimacy from you. He wants your worship. He wants your love. He wants your care. And when you give that to him, you won't walk in the desires of the flesh. Let's all stand. You have been listening to a message from David Bindet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay fired up!